Welcome to Transforming Education, Leadership Lessons. This podcast is hosted by Northwestern College. We're bringing you thought leaders who are influencing education and the world around them. Each episode provides new leadership lessons so you can learn how to embrace your own influence. Leadership has nothing to do with title or position. That leadership has to do with impact. And the role of a leader isn't to create followers, it's to enable more leaders. Take away leadership qualities that inspire. I think good leaders really get people brought together around a cause and can inspire them to be better than they were yesterday or to do something great. Care about others. We need teachers out there that are caring and compassionate and are interested in the student beyond the discipline that they're teaching. Show people they matter. We don't have a bullying problem. We don't even have a gun problem. We have a mattering problem. By knowing you matter. You matter to yourself first before you can matter to someone else. So further your impact. When you just authentically love your students, I just don't think you can help but grow. Understand your core values. You can tell pretty quickly any core leader, whether or not he or she is there for the mission at hand for the people that they serve or whether they're there for themselves. And align your mission. Everything we do on campus, whether it's someone in the maintenance department or someone teaching in the classroom or to coach, uh, it should tie back to our mission of impacting students for the cause of Christ. Discover how to use your influence to inspire others. That is why the relationships is so critical in everything we do, because when people know you care about them, they know yet they have your best interest, and then it sinks in. Let's welcome our host, Gary Richardson. Thank you, Leslie, and what a privilege it is to take on this legacy series, and this is episode 29 for us, and we thank everybody for listening because there's just a ton of options for podcasts, and we try to bring in thought leaders that ins- inspire and influence your leadership. So today, in, in our fourth legacy series, where we focus on individuals that have served Northwest Iowa with much excellence over the years, we will be discussing leadership lessons with Dr. Earl Wildstra, currently the city administrator for Orange City. In our previous legacy series, we've talked with uh, Les Dalma, we've talked with uh, Congressman now Randy Feenstra and Marty Guthmiller. And then next week, uh, to finish our legacy series, we'll finish up with the uh, legendary football coach, uh, Larry Corver. So we're looking forward to that. So a 1978 Northwestern alum, Earl, has served Northwestern as the women's basketball coach, athletic director, and professor of kinesiology. Earl earned a doctorate in physical education from the University of Minnesota and a master's degree in recreational education from the University of Iowa. Earl became the team's head coach in 1994 and led his teams to a 403-139 record. The Raiders won the national title in 2001, 2008, 2010, and 2011. And Coach Wildster was named National Coach of the Year each of those seasons. Northwestern has recorded the most wins of any team in the NAIA Division II National Tournament. In addition, Earl coached 25 NAIA All-Americans, three National Players of the Year, and 30 Scholar-Athletes. Earl is also a member of the NAIA Hall of Fame for basketball. Welcome to the podcast, Earl. Well, it's great to join you, Gary. Uh, I've listened to several of the podcasts and really have enjoyed them. I feel like I'm uh, really privileged to be part of the Legacy Series. Those, When you read those names of people, I was humbled to be part of that group. We appreciate you being here and, and wondering, Earl, your, your family has been very um, instrumental in a lot of things at Northwestern and in Orange City, and I wonder if you'd give us a little rundown of what they're all doing. 
Well, it's pretty amazing, Gary, that uh, my wife and I are blessed with our four kids and their spouses who all live within 10 minutes of us uh, here in northwest Iowa, mostly in Orange City. Um, so a dozen grandkids. Oldest son, Brandon's the uh, market president at uh, American State Bank. And uh, our daughter, Jamie, is a um, director of uh, uh, residential loans at Iowa State Bank. There you and go. Uh, our son, Brady, is the uh, technology coordinator at the Sioux Center Community Schools. And daughter, Jenna, is um, working remotely for an organization out of Kansas City called Text in Church. So along with their spouses, a dozen grandkids, we're really blessed to have them all so close. Yeah, that, that really is good. And certainly wish them well and appreciate that they've taken care of you all these years as, as we begin here. Uh, absolutely. I, I won't be able to help myself, but uh, <laughs> mention them occasionally in some of the questions that you'll probably throw my way. Okay, very good. Well, Earl, I, I just want to back up to that tremendous run. As, as, as I told you before, we recorded that. I put the your biography together and then the questions and then kind of put it away. And then when I was reading it again before we started, you know, there there aren't too many runs like you've had with the women's basketball team. And I know you, you, you'll deflect to, to others and, and rightly so. Um, but 2001, 8, 10, and 11 national championships with a final four in 2009, I think it would be remiss for all of us at Northwestern and in this area not to recognize that usually names associated with runs like that would be Gina Oriana, Gina Oriama, John Wooden. There's a lacrosse team on the East Coast that has rung up a number of national championships, but um, this is this is just really impressive and um, kind of moving into uh, what we were going to talk about. But wow, what a run and. Gosh, thanks for all your effort and all of that that brought all the kids and people of Northwestern College in our area. As you reflect on that, what are your thoughts? Well, you know, when I started coaching the women in 1994, our goal was just to develop a respectable program that could be competitive, right. be on par with what Northwestern Athletics was about. You know, a lot of hard work in those early years, and then uh, some pretty special players, actual local kids, joined our, our program in Jackie Olson and Rachel Benaboos. Mm -hmm. That helped lead us to a 2000 uh, runner-up finish and a 2001 national championship. And I like to say from that point on, our players did a really good job of recruiting players. Um, just of people would want to be part of that. And so yeah. my daughter Jamie was a part of that, some really good teams. And then, you know, people remember names like Deb Remerty. Um, they was right. on the front end of that, part of that 2008 championship team. And then it just brings on these other leaders, um, whether it was the Randa Holsteins or Becca Kramer or Kendra DeYoung, a mix of some local kids as well as other kids who are really interested in the Christian mission of Northwestern College, wanted to compete in a competitive basketball program, but it was bigger than that. They wanted to be at Northwestern at a Christian college. Right. They didn't want to be big time somewhere. So we had some big time players at Northwestern. So just really great young people. Absolutely. I, th I think that just speaks a lot about Northwestern and about the type of people that were able to get here and not always the, the, the superstar basketball players that are throughout the state, but certainly uh, committed young people that um, – serve themselves and serve the college well as well as their families. So 
So Earl, after leading all those teams and, and now, um, now you're leading a city, how's that change been for you? Well, you know, Gary, it's been very interesting, but also a really good change for me. While I was coaching, I was also serving for 20 years as a city council member. Yeah. And uh, some people in the community would remember that coming out of college, I was the city park and rec director for 10 years. So even as I was considering this job, I remember my young son, Brady, saying to me, well, Dad, I don't think you could go wrong working for the city or continuing to work for the college. It's two places that you've loved your whole life. So either place could be really good for you. Yeah. Well, as we talk, your record of success is really compelling and, and stands out as exemplary. And I know, as I said before, you'd give credit quickly to your previous assistant coaches and players. And, but but I, I want to know for you, leading that run and those people, are there core values that you have personally adopted over the years that you can attribute to a, a part of that sustained level of success? Well, sure. You know, I think, Gary, my core values are really founded in my Christian faith, which, you know, raised in a uh, loving Christian home with loving parents. Um, you know, I have that kind of story. I don't have a, uh, a memory of baggage in my childhood in any way. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so those foundations, um, treating others with respect, doing the best you can with the abilities you have, doing it for God's glory, um, doing the right thing. You have choices to make every day. Just what's the right thing um, to do? I think those really led me. Um, as an adult leader, um, I've really learned to embrace what I find uh, in the passage of 1 Peter 4, verse 10, where believers are challenged to use your gifts to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various form. I think Christ was the example of a servant leader, so even Peter challenging the believers at that time to use gifts to serve others, and, and that probably what um, kind of guides me today. Yeah, very good. Earl, what's something that leading through the pandemic and that hit right when you became a new city administrator, but what's that done for you that you didn't expect? You know, first of all, decision-making has changed. At the city, we've been just trying to make the best decision we can at the moment we're in with the information we have. But we also need to be willing to adapt and change as needed, sometimes within days, Sometimes within hours and sometimes even immediately, mm -hmm. um, you just need to be willing to change and say, well, what we were doing yesterday isn't what we're going to do today. We're going to do it differently. I think the other thing that's really enforced me that there's not really just one right way to do things. Sometimes I would have that mindset is like, sure. well, I know the right way to do this. Yep. And it's like it's just thrown that all open and different, different people have different opinions. But uh, we just keep trying to make the best decision we can with the information we have at that moment. So the city versus the college, have you find found that you'd had to to do things differently or change courses is how you lead or or has it basically stayed the same? Well, I think there's a lot of things that stayed the same. I think um, keeping calm, confident, um, having some level of resolve, you're going to deal with conflict. I think more than anything I've learned in leadership is conflict resolution skills are probably really, really important. And so continue to think about the different options on how you do things. Another thing I've probably learned is to learn to embrace the pace a little bit, kind of forced us to clear out the busyness and focus just on what's really important. Um, and that core thing comes down to relationships. 
relationships with the people you work with. Um, I think the pandemic caused a lot of families to spend more time together. And I think yeah. I hope that that's probably one of the long lasting things that people would say, you know what, we could clear out some of the clutter in our life and focus on the relationships. Sure. We are visiting with Dr. Earl Wildster, current Orange City City Administrator and previous athletic director at Northwestern College, as well as women's basketball coach. In this episode of Transforming Education Leadership Lessons, Earl, is there one thing that you're working on right now that might surprise our, the people that listen? I don't know if there's any big surprises working uh, for the city. We're doing a lot of planning, looking at infrastructure needs. Uh, we had some water challenges last year in the drought, so we're looking at yeah. some challenges uh, there and how we can address those. And people a lot smarter than me are working on those solutions. <laughs> and then uh, the city's got a pretty big role in the uh, future development at the elementary school. So looking at streets, utilities, infrastructure, working with the neighbors in that area are important tasks I've been involved in. Then we have a really exciting process going on with an outside uh, group called ISG is helping us with some big picture community planning, looking at future development, looking at some spaces that we have in our community, like the old airport. So with the new Sukani Regional Airport, we have this space that we need to figure out a plan for. Some areas on Highway 10 commercial that we're looking at, how do we uh, best market those uh, to benefit the community? And then one of the big questions is, is what, what's it going to look like in the heart of downtown when we move an elementary school out of that space? Sure. And that's going to be in 2023. And so we're trying to plan ahead to make sure we know what that, that looks like. Yeah. So those are some things on the, on the uh, work side. Personally, I'm uh, working to make some winter vacation plans. <laughs> My wife, on a day like today in a blizzard, <laughs> we're looking at uh, maybe getting away for a few days in the warmth. All the years as a basketball coach is never able to do that. So we've been trying to make that a priority. That's one of the things that I've probably learned and embraced as well is the importance of self-care and in my case, marriage care um, in order for me to be successful as a leader. I think you have to be healthy in those areas. Um, Otherwise, you really can't be equipped to lead people. That's exactly right. Is there one most important thing, Earl, that you've learned about leadership in your life that would benefit those that are aspiring to be leaders? Well, one I learned a number of years ago when my youngest daughter, Jenna, was about three, (laughs) is that communication is more about listening than it is about speaking and writing. So I had this little three-year-old girl sitting on my lap, and she was wanting to tell me something. I was probably distracted with whatever was on TV or whatever I thought I should be reading. She's on my lap, and she put one hand on one cheek, the other (laughs) hand on the other cheek, turned my face until I was looking her directly in the eye so that I was listening to her. So probably a reminder that presence is important. Uh, Physical body is one thing, but emotional and mental presence, eye contact, body language, being engaged. So I learned that lesson from a three-year-old. Yeah. Um, another lesson I learned, um, you had Les Dom on here really recently, and I worked closely with Les on some different things, but this one sticks in my mind is when you make decisions, do the best you can to involve the people that your decision affects in the process. Um, it just leads to much better buy-in if um, people would do that. And finally, 
recognizing that God's in control and he can do his work without me. Doesn't mean I shouldn't keep working hard, keep using my gifts, but he can accomplish what he wants to however he wants to. Actually, going back to those basketball teams that Mm -hmm. we talked about earlier, you know how important it is to recruit because you want to have the really talented athletes on your team. But there became a point in there where I realized it was far more important that I was praying that God would bring the right people to campus than it was that I was chasing all over a bunch of high school gyms looking for talent. Right. And uh, some of those players I mentioned came to Northwestern, had really nothing to do with me recruiting them. Somehow God led them to Northwestern, and then we got to enjoy all those things. So he can accomplish a lot more than we think we can. Yeah, absolutely. And in you know, we've talked before on the podcast about culture, and culture is really important, and people are, are attracted to culture. They want to work in places that, that nurture them, that, that take care of them, and that um, give that listening ear. You know, you, you never, you, you don't learn things by talking. You learn things by listening. And as Jenna informed you at an early age, and I can see Jenna doing that, by the way. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so... Earl, uh, wh- whether or not you know it or not, you're what you you are one of the more recognizable leaders in our region today. And as you think about, you'll phase out eventually. I'll phase out. The next generation of leaders. What advice could you give them? Well, you know, going back to my basketball roots, um, John Wooden uh, definitely has a, a lot of things that have impacted how I'd think about things. Maybe even through another generation, because somebody like a Todd Berry was such a John Wooden fan, and then working with Todd, you know, you just have some of those things filter down. But we spend a lot of time trying to be better than someone else, and uh, I think we can much better spend our time being the best we can be. Um, and so. Um, comparison is, um, I don't know, it's from Satan, I think. it's We spend too much time comparing ourselves to others, um, and I think that's really unhealthy. We should just focus on how we can be the best we can be. I also heard someone named uh, Rick Melmer speak, and uh, talking about all those grandkids that we're blessed with, mm-hmm. um, Rick had some of the similar thing. He said, here's a lesson you can learn from your grandkids. If it stinks, it needs changing. <laughs> It's not just going to change by itself. Uh, you need to w- be willing to go and do the dirty work and make the changes if it needs to be made. So that one's stuck in my head. And then someone who you work closely with. And, again, all those basketball teams, those championship years, I had the blessing to share as a partnership with Chris Yaw. And so Chris serving as our head women's coach now. The guy is driven, as you know. The what you tolerate is what you promote just kind of sticks in my head if if you tolerate mediocrity, that's what you're going to get. If you expect excellence, there's a much better chance that you're going to get it. Yeah, that's well said. Earl, is there one person that has inspired you along the way? You've talked about a couple. To any success that you've had in, in your career, is there one person you can look at? And if so, what was impactful in that relationship? Well, Gary, for me, that is easily my wife, Karen. When uh, we met as uh, young college students, She saw something in me I did not see in myself. She helped me grow from being a really shy introvert into someone who could impact people's lives. I don't think we can underestimate the importance of the power of unconditional love. Mm -hmm. And that's what I experienced Mm -hmm. from her, even as through all of my screw-ups and other kind of things. I think that's probably the key. You know, I'm also grateful for mentors like Rick Vanderberg, Les Dalma. 
Todd Berry, Barry Brandt, Bob Borkter, Ron Yuffer. These are all men who, whether they know it or not, impacted my spiritual as well as professional life. But I saw how they did their work. I think people need to realize that people do watch and they do see. They were able to pursue excellence in what they did in way different approaches from Ron's humble spirit absolutely, to someone who is a little bit more vocal and boisterous. You know, they did those from Rick was my high school coach. I see that relationship you and Chris have, for, you know, that continues. You know, he was somebody, maybe you also saw something in me back at that time. And I remember Karen and I did something that's really hard in our community and any Christian community is we changed churches about 20 years ago. And we left the church that Rick was also a member of. And I can remember him coming to see me and saying, so Earl, you know that we're going to love you even though you're going to a different church. But you and Karen better get to work there because God didn't call you to move from something. If he called you to go somewhere and do his work, that's what you should do. And so that's the kind of mentor that I appreciate um, Rick to have been and others in my life as well. Well, we've known each other probably for 20 years here. What I know from working with you and observing you is that although quite competitive and driven, you're also, you also have that other side where you don't always think you're right. You reflect on what you've, what you've said and done. And, and in one of our other podcasts, this point was brought out that if there was a trait that you could give somebody, it would be the awareness of what you have said and its impact on others. Sometimes when we get in the leadership role, we think we've arrived. And all that is, is we really have just put ourselves in a position where it's hard work. And the first thing, as you talk about next generation, is that a leadership, leadership is just hard. And it's hard work and it's very satisfying, but it, it takes some effort. And what you're able to do is to understand what you've said or done and then realize how that's impacted others. And if it needs to be corrected, you'll correct it. And that's not a trait that a lot of people have. And so I've always appreciated that about you and I've learned that from you. And so this is really a, a fun uh, interview for me as well. Earl, if you could interview one person as you're being interviewed today in, in whatever area of interest that you have, who would it be and why? Well, I had a hard time thinking about who that one person would be, but um, I love reading leadership books, listening to leadership podcasts, those things. I think John Maxwell had a really big impact, leaders early, maybe just to help me understand that leadership is influence, however you do that. Mm -hmm. And more recently, John Gordon, I love reading his stuff just because of the focus on positivity. So figuring out ways you can be a positive leader, I think those two guys would be a, a really interesting uh, interview. Nice. Yep. Earl, are you curious about anything and not only the work that you do or the work work that you've done or, or just curious about the world? Well, there's a lot to be curious about the world, where we're heading. Yeah. So working for the city, you're kind of involved with politics. You know, what? what's the city's role versus private investment involvement are all really interesting questions. I've shared this before. I find it really interesting in our area here. There's a lot of people who are not at all interested in um, too much federal or state government overreach. Right. But they are very interested in having the city do things for them. So how do you find that balance between what the city should be able to do for our citizens, what we should spend our money on, how do we maximize and be good stewards of the resources we're provided? And then how can we continue to motivate our, our residents themselves to think about 
what good can they do that benefits their neighbor? So, you know, there's a lot of conversation about how do we be a better neighbor, whether that's the immigrant community or it's other people that think differently than we do. How do we continue to have, as Harold High would say, respectful conversations? And how do we do that better? Right. It reminds me of John F. Kennedy and ask not what you can, your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country stands pretty tall here. And then the city politics is certainly interesting. And I'm not going to even start on that because you got that covered. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, and you, know, you moved to Alton, so you're out, outside of, I can't even propose some type of um, special <laughs> assessment tax you, on for your property. You have got no control over me, buddy. <laughs> uh, you mentioned John Maxwell, John Gordon. Is there anything else that you read or listen to that might be interesting for us? Um, yeah, you know, anything on leadership. I, I guess I was going to share that um, when I was considering making the move from the city, excuse me, from the school to the city, mm-hmm. I was reading a book by Mark Batterson, which is um, In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day. The theme of that book is that your greatest regret at the end of your life will be the lions you didn't chase, the risks you didn't take, the opportunities you did not seize, and the dreams you did not pursue. So this is a courageous story of Benaiah killing two Moabite warriors and then chasing a lion down into a snowy pit where he killed the lion. Benaiah eventually became the leader of King David's army. So that book kind of got me off center and said, well, maybe God's calling you to do something different. Yeah, that's interesting. And it's a snowy day today if we want to start chasing yeah, him again, go. I guess. So. <laughs> Earl, is there anything I should have asked you that I didn't know enough to ask? No, but, you know, I'm going to tell a story about you, if that's okay. So I <laughs> well, can I remember. This. I'm in control. I was a basketball coach, and, <laughs> you know, I was expecting our players to do the best they can. And I took my role as an educator responsibly. So even at times, I would try correct officials to make sure they understood some never, things. Never, never. Yeah, that happened on a few occasions. Okay. And I remember – a couple of times I would try dress in a sport coat, even wear a tie, and then sometimes that would just cut off my air. And so I, I remember I had a game where I took my tie off and a little bit of frustration. You happened to be at that game, and the next game that you came, you brought me a clip-on tie <laughs> as a smart aleck response to um, you were afraid I was probably going to choke myself if if I got too excited at the game in the future. So. Gary, I do really appreciate the friendship that we've had. There's a lot of things that uh, I think we share in common, and I, I do appreciate that. that. was that time you were kind of in your own subtle way able to let me know I was acting like an idiot on the sideline. Well, I, I've been there, so, so it wasn't anything that I thought you <laughs> that I needed to correct you on. But as I thought about that, you do those things on the spur of the moment. So why do you, why do, you do it? But I knew you'd laugh. And it also is a a signal that it is a game. And I needed to take that intuitively into my own mind, not not just yours. So Yeah, well, um, it was was a fun moment. Yeah, well, you got a kick out of it. And I just didn't want to see you strangle yourself on my watch because I'd have to go right down there and give mouth to mouth. And I didn't want to have to do that. No, neither of us are interested in that. Yeah. Earl, thanks. Uh, Thanks for giving of your time today. This has been really good. and, And for all of the leadership that you've provided to tons of people in the last however many years. We thank you for that. Thank you for being here today. It was really a, a privilege and, and um, 
Yeah, thanks for doing the work of these podcasts because I've enjoyed them from the beginning and I uh, look forward to, uh, you mentioned going to get Coach Corver. If you can uh, somehow cultivate a few uh, gems of wisdom from him, that'll be a fun uh, podcast as well. Yeah, we're going to try and he's been very gracious about doing it. So looking forward to that. We thank Earl for giving up his time and sharing his wisdom as we reflect on leaders that inspire and influence lives. And uh, Leslie, thanks for uh, stepping in here. And that was fun to listen to to Earl. And and what were some of the highlights? It was another local or regional leader who really, his influence uh, ripples much further than our community, wouldn't you say, with his impact on so many students and so many lives. Our highlights from Earl, I really found in his four core values. The first of treat others with respect. Mm -hmm. He talked about communication in listening and being fully present with others. His his daughter taught him that early on. And I think that also means to be a better neighbor and to look around and, and how we can treat everyone you know, with that respect they deserve. He also offered to do your best. And that means to be your best, not to compare to others or feel that you're less than what they're doing, but to be who you are and to find your influence and in your leadership, wherever that may be. Thirdly, God's glory, uh, to do everything in God's glory. And I think that also is a good reminder that God is in control ultimately. And decision-making might take, you know, a few curveballs in adapting and changing to what's thrown at us, but we're always um, planning and doing the best with what we have at that time. And fourth, to do the right thing. And that might be simply doing the best thing with the information that we have. I think it also means that we have to take care of ourselves and our relationships and take out the clutter uh, that sometimes can fill our lives one benefit of the pandemic, right, is that we've learned so much about what truly matters to us, and and that's people. Right. Well, what I read between all the comments that, that Earl made is that the bottom line is, is that Earl's Christian walk really does lead what he does and Absolutely. how he treats people. Sometimes as leaders, the roles that you're in is what you're seen as, as the leader of this or that, and people don't really dig down into what that person is really about. They just have a reaction to leadership. And so it it was um, very pertinent to the conversation that Earl let us in on the people he was grateful for, the ones that influenced him, and that without those people, Earl wouldn't be in the positions that he is at today, even taking advice from a three-year-old. Exactly. We should all learn from that. (laughs) And a a book to look at would be from Mark Batterson, In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day. Seems appropriate for today. Thanks so much to all of you for listening to Transforming Education Leadership Lessons. As I said before, you have many options for podcasting, and we appreciate you spending time with us. As a leader in education and or business and or in any type of job, you matter. And how you lead matters to a whole bunch of people that you serve on a daily basis. You were created for significance. Thanks, Leslie, for sitting in again today and Cho for all that you do to make this happen technically, and to Mike as well. Until next time, inspire and influence.